Welcome to this episode of the Strip Till Farmer podcast series. I'm Michaela Pogner, technology editor at Strip Till Farmer. Thanks to Source by Sound Agriculture for supporting this Strip Till podcast series. Wake up your soil and unlock more per acre with Source by Sound Agriculture. Source is a biochemistry that activates microbes in the soil to provide more nitrogen and phosphorus to corn and soybean crops. It's simple to use with a low use rate, tank mix compatibility, and flexible application window. Use the performance optimizer tool to determine where source will work best to increase yield or reduce nitrogen. Either way, you win. Visit sound.ag to learn more. That's S-O-N-D dot A-G. I'm recording today from a hotel in Minnesota. It's because tomorrow I'm going to interview the 2022 Strip Till Innovator Award winner. And to prepare, I've been reading about Strip Till Farmers' past Innovator Award winners, one of whom is Ben Pedersen. Ben runs a 100% Strip Till operation in Lake Mills, Iowa. He takes a holistic approach to Strip Till and encourages out of the box thinking to keep his operations on a pathway to profitability. One such example is he started using ion technology in the physics of thunderstorms to increase his yield potential and ROI without increasing inputs. Ahead of his presentation at the National Strip Tillage Conference in Iowa this July on that very topic, I wanted to introduce you to Ben and his practices by bringing you a replay of the 2019 episode of the Strip Till Farmer podcast. In this episode, Ben talks with former strip-till farmer editor Jack Zemlicka about the challenges of getting started in strip-till, positioning the value of strip-till, and much more. Ben, appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. Uh, understand you're out in the field taking care of some application needs and obviously coming off of planting here, making sure that uh, the, the crop is, is progressing uh, as you'd like to see. How are things looking out in your area? Uh, I guess funny year all the way around. I don't certainly mean to use that word to uh, incite anybody from the Eastern Corn Belt because I've certainly heard and seen about uh, some of the uh, uh, much bigger challenges that are being had out there. But overall, uh, you know, we might even be getting a little bit on the dry side right now. Uh, some chances of rain here the next couple of days. Uh, but, you know, fair looking crop, I guess, as far as my experience goes so far around here. So in terms of, I guess, how, how things went on your farm this spring, um, you know, obviously I had a chance to get around uh, the early part of uh, of April and into May as well, and in some different areas, you know, and it was kind of kind of varied. I mean, some folks uh, were having a better time of it than others, um, you know. But from what you saw, I guess, in terms of your your strip till fields, you know, what what were you, you know, what were conditions like out there once you were able to get out and plant? Well, we had to start uh, in conditions that were definitely suboptimal. We were pushed into May. We usually like to get started mid-April. Uh, wet weather pushed us into May. We chose not to plant ahead of a, a snow event late April. I think we're yet, it's yet to be seen whether that was a wise decision or not. That corn is tasseling uh, as we speak that was planted before that snow. Uh, again, we'll see. Uh, I think, uh, you know, how I've geared our strip till system, we're able to deal with uh, some adverse conditions fairly well, uh, doing things that allow us to plant when and, and and not pay the syntax that occurs when sometimes we're out there a little bit too early. 
I guess I'm happy with the results. There's definitely things I want to tweak going forward uh, because we, and it's something I can get, I'll get into uh, uh, at my talk out at Strip Deal Conference, but we, we massively changed things uh, from last year uh, to this year uh, on the Strip Deal machine and planner front, and we knew we'd have some growing pains, didn't know we'd be quite under fire like we were <laughs> uh, to get those things adjusted. I mean, we're 48-hour stretches with, four to six hours of sleep, and given the situation, I don't think it could have gone much better. Mm-hmm. When, and Ben, I know you've gotten into the practice uh, about 2012, getting into strip till, and I know you've, you've always kind of taken a very thoughtful approach uh, in terms of the decisions you're making within your strip till system, and obviously kind of putting some purpose behind those changes that you make, and, and you had alluded to the fact that some of those can be pretty dramatic, but obviously, you know, with the intention uh, of changing your system, you know, for the better. Um, you know, some of those early years, you know, are, are there things you kind of learned and, and adapted to as you were, uh, you know, incorporating uh, and, and adopting a strip-till system in, into your corn and soybean operation? Absolutely. Uh, you just, you never get it exactly right out of the shoot. And, you know, to be honest with you, Jack, I'm not, I don't feel like we're where I want to be yet. Uh, you know, some things are, you know, nitrogen uh, form and timing, uh, was something I definitely tweaked. I went away from dry fertilizer, uh, urea right away, just because I liked handling ability and I liked uh, a more accurate placement that liquid provided. Uh, again, uh, I went back to a little dry fertilizer this year, <laughs> doing both liquid and dry this time, though, uh, because there was there were some other values I wanted to try and capture. Again, jury's still out whether we did that or not. Um, and uh, planner-wise, uh, we've made some adjustments as well. But I'll say this, and I, don't, I certainly don't mean to toot my own horn or brag, but when I was going into strip till, much like many other guys of my generation, you know, I had a, a dad who was very entrenched in the old ways of doing things, had a lot of success with doing it mm-hmm. uh, the way he's done it. And I just, when I knew I was going to take the jump, by this strip till machine on on credit I could barely get at the time, I knew I had to knock it out of the park. I knew there couldn't be a fatal flaw uh, or else that would be my last year of strip tilling. And so I really researched hard. I talked to uh, a lot of of folks with experience uh, with the system and uh, really made sure guidance was in place, really made sure that the machine wasn't going to be an issue. And I couldn't recommend that more strongly to anybody that's looking to make uh, the same jump that I did. Yeah, that's interesting. You bring up kind of a, a dynamic that I think is certainly, you know, present and, and we've seen that, um, you know, at, at the Strip Hill Conference with, uh, you know, kind of the multi-generational uh, attendee and, and we've seen, you know, kind of the the uncle and, and dad coming with their son uh, or offspring and it's obviously evident, you know, visiting farms where you, you will see some of, uh, you know, that, that shift in, in the approach to, uh, a system and, and obviously incorporating some different practices. And, and that's, that's a challenge. I mean, that can be difficult, I think, but, uh, you know, in your case, obviously you, you took that, that leap, you know, kind of made that commitment, uh, you know, a number of years ago and, um, you know, have, have been able to, uh, you know, obviously kind of build, build off of some of those, those early returns that you saw. Yeah, absolutely. I, it, it, I remember I posted, it was a Facebook post, I took a picture of my machine as I was about ready to, to uh, head out to the field for the first time in the fall of 2011, and I just simply captioned it. It's either the best 
or the worst thing I will ever do professionally. <laughs> and I was right. And, and fortunately, it was the best. Uh, there's just been so many uh, un, un, unintended, unexpected positives that have come from making that change. Um, you know, I really got into strip till because I was in love with the idea of, hey, let's get more efficient with nutrient placement. Let's make a spot for each plant uh, to grow and thrive where it doesn't have a wheel track to fight, where it's got an equal shot of fertilizer everywhere. Uh, but in the course of implementing things, I realized, hey, my soil's changing for the better. Uh, I'm getting more biology. Uh, my marginal uh, soils are getting more and more productive. So it's it, it definitely was something for me where I got in expecting a certain amount of benefits and uh, they multiplied as as time went on which is what was more than I could hope for at the time. I'd like to thank our sponsor Source by Sound Agriculture for supporting the Strip Till Farmer podcast series. Wake up your soil and unlock more per acre with Source by Sound Agriculture. Source is a biochemistry that activates microbes in the soil to provide more nitrogen and phosphorus to corn and soybean crops. It's simple to use with a low use rate, tank mix compatibility, and flexible application window. Use the Performance Optimizer tool to determine where Source will work best to increase yield or reduce nitrogen. Either way, you win! Visit sound.ag to learn more. That's S-O-N-D dot A-G. Now let's get back to the conversation. Well, and Ben, I know you've you've mentioned too. I mean, there's a lot of public influences now, kind of shaping the the conservation tillage landscape. Um, you know, a lot of external uh, and and also you know some internal factors that um, you know are, are obviously kind of weighing on the minds of a lot of farmers, and particularly you know when you have folks that are in you know, the no-till or strip-till practice, um, you know, how well positioned, you know, do you see those segments being, you know, in terms of either being ahead of the curve or at least keeping up with the curve in terms of some of the, those practices that we see a lot more uh, maybe in the headlines of, of kind of just your average consumer publication? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if a farmer has made, take, taken steps to reduce tillage and taken steps to be more efficient with nutrient applications, uh it, that they're in an excellent excellent position going forward um i think the value statement for doing it is something that's been understated uh because uh, i i recently rebranded our farm uh vital grains and it's something i'll get into in my presentation you know why i did that and what and what what does it mean what was i driving at and really uh to give uh, just a brief overview, it's the fact that I started to realize in talking to, uh, like, Raton Lal, uh, Ohio State University, who actually returned my phone call, and we had a great talk about carbon sequestration and researching, you know, how much soil is actually moved or lost when we're talking broad, uh, broad area tillage uh, in with only average rainfall events. And need, I don't need to remind everybody that we've had a well above average rainfall events uh, over the past few years. So the amount of soil that's displaced is massive. Uh, you know, all the way down to hypoxia in the Gulf of Mexico. Water quality uh, discussions. There, Des Moines Register just talked about uh, really, it wasn't really a hit piece, but it was not favorable uh, mm -hmm. in discussing th uh, 
newt nitrates in water and what our role is. So um, as we go forward, as we have a political pendulum that is uh, wildly swinging left to right, where do we want to be? Because I don't think it's too long before somebody that is well-intentioned thinks they're going to get uh, in the business of us, quote-unquote, poor dumb farmers, and tell us how to do things uh, that is not necessarily going to make dollars and cents. So I think we have a tremendous opportunity right now to sell what is commonly becoming called as called regenerative agriculture. Mm-hmm. And the benefits, the quantifiable benefits that come along with that really dwarf other labels that have gained a lot of value, uh, organic, non-GMO. You dig into those things, the value statement is somewhat dubious. But what does it give? It gives people a sense of, hey, we're doing the right thing. And that hunger for, hey, we're doing the right thing, we're being socially responsible with the products we purchase, uh, it's it's huge and it's growing uh, with this younger generation of consumers. Absolutely. Well, and, and it does seem that, you know, perception is playing a, a bigger role now, uh, you know, particularly in agriculture and, uh, you know, obviously with, with what farmers are, are kind of facing and obviously some of the challenges and, and also being able to, uh, you know, stay profitable and, and obviously be conscious of, you know, passing that farmland on to their next generation. I mean, there's there's a lot of factors that are kind of coming into play now, uh, perhaps more more than ever, but, you know, a lot of it is also, uh, you know, getting more publicized and I think becoming more visible uh, as a whole. So obviously, you know, as you mentioned, um, you know, kind of taking ownership, having that responsibility, um, you know, are, are elements that uh, are certainly going to figure into, you know, kind of the longevity and sustainability, you know, of, of uh, farm operations as we move forward. Absolutely. You know, us farmers, uh, especially ones that, you know, there's a pretty arbitrary term, but that do a good job that you can tell, take a lot of pride in their work, uh, that it's just, it's more than a profession. Um, that land that they hold is just, is more than an asset. And, you know, I definitely fall in that category. I mean, my family, um, we, we kind of want to stick to our, our own business. You know, we, we, we take, we have so, such a massive investment in time and money uh, in what we do. Where it's very easy for us to kind of navel gaze and and think only of where our operation sits today and how to defend it for for the future. I think we need to take a little more of an outward look because not only are there threats out there, there's opportunities um, that I think. And again, farmers banding together, kind of coming together under one banner, under a, one flag is, people have dreamed about that forever. And it's it's tough because we're independent-minded, uh, kind of free-thinking people. But um, there are some opportunities, uh, and I think they could be big, uh, especially under this regenerative uh, label, uh, doing things like in, implementing cover crops, reducing tillage, reducing nutrient applications, chemical applications, uh, that could mean real value and real power to operations that uh, are doing those type of things for the future. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, those are all, you know, critically important topics that I think are, are certainly worth bringing top of mind and, and uh, looking forward to, to having you out at the conference uh, in a couple of weeks here. Uh, I know there's going to be a lot of food for thought. I'm sure you're going to challenge some folks uh, in the audience to, uh, you know, think progressively, think a little bit outside the box and, and maybe even get out of their comfort zone. But uh, very much looking forward to, uh, to having you kick off the event uh, in Peoria uh, on August 1st. And uh, uh, appreciate uh, that you'll you'll be there to join us thanks jack i mean it's going to be a big honor for me to talk to uh a great number of uh peers who i have a lot of respect for um uh, i just yeah I, I if i can cause people to think differently about one or two things uh in their operation and, and more so like how where we fit into the food chain going forward, you know, with regard to the things we've discussed here, then that, that's all I hope to do. And aside from that, I really hope to learn from some of the other presenters. Thanks to Ben Pedersen for today's conversation. He's lecturing during a classroom session at the National Strip Tillage Conference in Iowa on July 29th. Go to striptillconference.com to register for two days of learning from dozens of cutting-edge strip tillers like Ben and our 2022 Strip-Till Innovator, who will be revealed at the conference. If you're looking for more podcasts about Strip-Till in the meantime, visit striptillfarmer.com podcasts, or check out our episode library wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, many thanks to Source by Sound Agriculture for helping to make this Strip-Till podcast series possible. From all of us here at Strip-Till Farmer, I'm Michaela Pockner. Thanks for listening.